Hey guys, it's no secret that Arizona is a hotbed for wildfires, so today we're talking to Tiffany DeVilla from Arizona State Forestry and Fire just ahead of Wildfire Awareness Week. We love Tiffany's energy and all the great information she shared while in the studio with us. So welcome Tiffany to the show. So Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Man, we're excited to have you here. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about things that relate to Arizona fire, what people can do to maybe prevent that type of stuff today. And I think we're going to go into a little bit more detail so people understand uh, Arizona's fires a little bit better. Thank you, because uh, we do have... Um Continual human cause starts every single year. About 75 to 80% of our wildland fires are caused by people. Uh, so it's really important that we get the word out ahead of fire season and then throughout the year because we can't have a fire year round here in Arizona. Well, yeah, I mean, we've seen it, you know, over the years, but we know the worst season is coming up. I mean, your busy season is coming up, unfortunately. Uh, can you tell us, you know, what that looks a little bit for, like for you as an agency and then maybe the public as well? So right now, our outlook is still a couple months out, um, but we do know that based off of the amount of rainfall that we had last year, especially in southern Arizona, we could see more fire activity in that area. Um, we did have a fire last week um, on the day it rained, ironically. Uh, we had a 20-acre fire in Cochise County. Um, so again, you know, it doesn't matter what type of conditions we have. Uh, the fuel beds dry, especially in certain areas. Uh, in southern Arizona, some of the fuel is chest high. So once that dries out, once we start getting into our warmer months, and if we do have unseasonably warm uh, temperatures like in April, uh, early spring. And again, based off what the spring conditions are going to look like, we could have an early start. And again, especially in Southern Arizona. And I can confirm that chest high stuff because I've spent a lot of time in the, the whetstones this year, the Catalinas and also the Baba Kavari mounds. And they all have really that really high grass. That's what you're talking about. When you talk about fuel, you're talking about grass, right? Because there's some, like myself, I've moved here from the Midwest where this wasn't an issue and I had a lot to learn. So you're like a celebrity here for me today. I'm really excited <laughs> to be talking to you. But for people who may not have experience or just learning about this, what do you mean when you say fuel load? So fuel is the vegetation across Arizona. In Southern Arizona, throughout the Sonoran Desert, if you're out in the Phoenix area, you look at the super the McDowells, it's a lot of grass. And that's a fine fuel type. It doesn't hold a lot of moisture to begin with. So once the temperatures heat up, that grass dries out very quickly and then just acts like kindling. As opposed to northern Arizona, where we have the timber, you know, that can hold moisture for a very long time. That's why we usually don't see fire activity start there until, you know, late May, early June, uh, because there's more moisture retention in that fuel. Sure. So it takes longer to dry out. Exactly. That makes sense. Exactly. Okay. But this grass is an issue. Has that always been a problem? The grass is a problem. Um, it's one of those things where we try and treat every year. The problem is like with the roadsides, right? We've all that fine fuel along the roadsides. We know this. If you're driving up the 17 in the summer, there's always, you know, something shut down because of a fire. We can go out there and clear that fuel all day long. The problem is once we get any sort of rainfall, it's just going to come back. Um, so while we are working vigor vigorously across the state every year, um, it's just that fine fuel vegetation uh, that continues to come back 
back every year and is always causing that problem. And the fine fuel grasses, are they typically going to be an invasive species or are there native species that are responsible for the fires as well? That's a good question. It just depends on which area you are in, but we do have a lot of invasive species in Arizona. Um, you know, we had a problem with the chamomile a couple years ago, the globe chamomile. We have salt cedar um, throughout our riverbeds, and that's another invasive species. And we've gone out to the Gila River and cleared salt cedar in that area because it just chokes out the native species also. But if you ever see a fire and you hear it's in a riverbed, you'll see that thick black smoke. That's the salt cedar burning. It burns very hot and it burns for a long time because of that vegetation type. Wow. And okay, so you mentioned that burns really hot. Okay. And we know that there's, you know, fires that burn through areas quick and fires that burn through areas slow. And if it's it burns through an area slow, it's going to destroy the the topsoil and then seeds won't germinate. Is that that what happens? Is that why that's maybe not as good of a fire as one that maybe burns through quicker? Well, again, it all just depends on which area you're in. Like for Southern Arizona with that fine fuel, if you get a start in that fine fuel, it's going to spread very quickly. It's going to ignite very fast, but it's more than likely they're going to be able to put it out more quicker than in a, a, a vegetation like, um, you know, the juniper, uh, pinion juniper, things like that, where it's going to burn a little bit uh, more slowly in certain areas. And it's all based off the weather conditions, the topography, the landscape. So, you know, not every fire incident is the same. We don't go about every fire using the same tools because we don't know if there's, you know, once we get to that fire, we'll know, you know, is there structures nearby? Is there infrastructure? Is this in an open area? Do we need aircraft? So it's not a cookie cutter incident. It just depends on where we are, where they're fighting the fire at that time. That's so interesting. Are So are there fires where they are good? Because you're talking about there's different kinds. Are there cases where the fire is okay. Absolutely. Um, a couple years ago, we had some starts up in some mountains that there was nothing around. There's no population. There's no structures. There's no infrastructure for us to be concerned about. And sometimes we just have to let them burn. Uh, one, it helps you know rejuvenate the fuel in that area and it creates for a healthier landscape. But two, sometimes it's just not safe to get crews into that area. Um, so that's one of the reasons. Now, while I'm saying we don't just let them go, we do have people monitoring them, but it might not be a safe area where we can hike a hand crew up. And it might just be an area where we know it's going to burn out on its own. You know, the forecast may call for rain over the next couple of days. So we kind of just monitor it and let it burn out. But with that, um, you know, there's a reason we do prescribe burns throughout the year also. Um there is a difference between a prescribed fire and a wildland fire, and not all fire is bad. And that's why we do prescribe burning, uh, because we control the tone of that fire. We go in there and it help clears out maybe all of the litter on the floor. It clears out some of the diseased vegetation, the trees that are dying or unhealthy. Um, we've got bark beetles uh, across Arizona. It may go out there and clear out. So there's a prescription for every either uh, fuels reduction project or prescribed fire that we do. And there's a reason behind it. And also to go along with that, the smoke is not as impactful um, when you're dealing with prescribed versus wildland fire. We know what's in that smoke. We don't know what's in a wildland fire smoke. It could be anything toxic. It could be structures going up. We don't know. So um, we continue throughout the year to do those fuels reduction projects to target those high risk areas that we know are prone to wildfire. 
I think that's so helpful as a resident to hear because it's a natural response. If you're driving, you see smoke, you live in Arizona, your first instinct is someone go put that out. Right. They have signs though, too. You see them when you're driving around prescribed burn ahead. Yeah. Yeah, We want to make sure that the residents are aware for burning in a community just because they may, you know, get paranoid and they have every reason to do so, um, especially in communities that have had large scale wildfires before. So we want to make sure our messaging is out there that, hey, this is what we're doing. This is when we'll be doing it. You know, if you have any concerns, please let us know and we'll explain to you why we're doing what we're doing. It's amazing. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing to keep the community informed. I think it's helpful to know that some wildland fires where you have assessed the situation, the weather condition is right, or you don't want to put your crews at risk and there's no, you know, danger to structures, I think that's important to think about because sometimes we forget there are people behind this effort. It's not just go put the fire out. There's human lives involved. Right. And sometimes the, you know, the area that it's burning is just inaccessible and we'll monitor it by air. We'll have an engine on the ground. Um, So there's always someone monitoring this fire, regardless, uh, you know, if we're just kind of letting it burn out on its own. We're not just saying, hey, oh, there's a fire. We, We just can't get up there. We're monitoring it by air and ground. We just safely can't put crews on that fire. That makes sense. Well, what can people do to help? Because we don't want fires that get out of control. Um, So sometimes that feels like a big issue for the normal person at home just living in Arizona. What can people do as an individual to help? So one of the biggest things people can do, especially if you live in the wildland urban interface, and we're seeing a lot more development pushed out into that area now, is to create defensible space around your property. And basically what you're doing is you're creating a buffer zone between your home and a potential wildfire start. Um, And it's simple things like basic yard maintenance, you know, cut back your trees, keep your grass watered and mowed, take anything that's, you know, on the roof, take it off if there's debris or litter or anything like that, and then remove any flammable material from a you know, away from your property. People sometimes stack up firewood, propane tanks, even uh, patio furniture is flammable. Move that all off so that if there were a fire to start or there were embers flying because of a fire, you know, even a mile, two miles down the road, your house would be somewhat more protected than say versus your neighbor who took no steps to mitigate anything. Do you have a, a checklist like maybe on your website that we, we do. point people to we so do. they can just see all these things and they can just go down and be like, okay, my house, I've done this, 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 and this. And these are all the things that Tiffany says are going to make me safe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we do. It's on our website, dffm.az.gov. Uh, to go along with that, we also have 125 FireWise communities across Arizona. So our prevention department works with those homeowners associations, communities, um, neighborhoods to get in there. And basically, it's a joint effort between us and those communities. And we give them the tools they need to protect their properties. And they have to go through all of these steps. We do fire assessments. We do structure assessments with them. And they, you know, once they're all completed with everything, they get on this FireWise uh, portal, this platform, and they become a recognized fire community. Um, and it's, you know, again, we have 125. We brought cave a couple of communities in Cave Creek on right after the East Desert and Ocotillo fires. Uh, we brought uh, the community of Pine Lake on board right after the flag fire. So um, it's very important. People can go on our website also and get the information for FireWise if they want to learn more about it. Yeah, I think it's really cool that you guys do this, these educational campaigns too, because 
you know, I, I was born and raised in Arizona. The, Me too. The fires are just kind of second nature, but mm-hmm. people that may have moved here might just not think about it. You right. know, it's just like the first me. thing from there. Yeah. Yep. So they just, by knowing about it, then they're like, oh, there is this threat out there mm-hmm. that, that I need to kind of prepare for because they're, it might happen. Yes. And we, we have multiple examples of that and not just, you know, people moving from out of state, but we've had people moving from the Phoenix area up in North, Northern Arizona um, and accidentally start a fire because they were doing some kind of debris burn on their property and they didn't know the steps, the proper steps to take to make sure it wouldn't, you know, get out of hand. Um, especially um, we have a lot of agriculture down in Southern Arizona. So down there, we see a lot of the debris burns that, you know, maybe someone wasn't prepared for the windy days, the red flag warning. So, um, you know, it takes all of us to prevent wildfire and we're actively doing our part, but we need the public to do theirs as well. And I actually love that because when you do feel like this is such a big issue and maybe the individual average person feels a little helpless when it comes to this, to hear you say there's something that we can do to make a difference, that's really powerful because maybe you had this beautiful vision for the kind of landscaping you want. And yeah, maybe you change that, but you're doing it for a greater good. And I think that's important. Absolutely. The weather is heating up and that means it's time to get out on the water. Remember, safety first for a great day on the lake. Make sure to use a personal flotation device. For children under 12, it's the law. Be aware of others around you and exercise good judgment. We all want to have a fun time, but drinking and boating don't mix. Be prepared when it comes to your boat and its equipment. Get our pre-boating checklist for a worry-free day on the water at azstateparks.com slash boating safety. What else um, can people do to help mitigate this issue in our state? So besides creating the defensible space, just be prepared when you're going out and you're recreating. Um, if you're having a campfire, make sure it's cool to the touch. You can just, you, what we call the drownster repeat method, you drown it with water, you stir it with a stick or a shovel, and then you lay your back of the hand on on over the flames to make sure there's nothing, there's no heat there. Keep doing that until it's cool to the touch, essentially. Uh, we do have a lot of fires started by abandoned campfires. Um Secure your tow chains. We have multiple fires that are started by people dragging their tow chains, uh, especially in the summer when people are, you know, towing their boat or their trailer or vehicle. Um, don't toss cigarettes out the window. And that, you know, that's just also like just keep Arizona litter free. It's a beautiful state and we want to protect our state. So, you know, don't toss anything out the window. Um, and then before you get on the road, check your vehicle. We've had fires start by tire blowouts. Oh, uh, wow. People pull off into the tall grass if something happens or they're like, oh, I need oh. to take a call and they pull off the side of the road, the undercarriage of your car gets very hot and it can start a fire. So just small steps that people can take uh, before they recreate, check the fire restrictions website. While there are no fire restrictions at this time, you know, they're going to be coming here in the summer. So um, there's a lot people can do. And um, we need to make sure that we're doing everything possible to keep the amount of fires down in Arizona. You know, like several years ago, I I was really surprised when they legalized certain fireworks mm-hmm. in Arizona. And I was just wondering if uh, incidents have gone up as a result of that in certain areas and if there's things people can do to be careful with that. Because I, I know I, I see and hear them on a regular basis mm-hmm. now, you know, I mean, even I, I've seen people shooting them out when I've been camping, you know, and I don't even think they're actually the the, the legal fireworks, but. 
And that's one of the things people also need to check. Um, you can't shoot fire fireworks on state trust land. Okay. You can't target shoot on state trust land. Um, you can't have fireworks on federal land. So people need to check the websites, need to check the wildlandfire.az.gov for fire restrictions. But that's year round. You can't do that year round. Right. Um, yes, we have had fires start by fireworks. Um, one of the issues that we have is when we send a fire investigator out to a scene, sometimes they can't always piece together how the fire started. Right. We might know it was started by target shooting because it's an area that it's prone to target shooting. But unless they find those casings, you know, fragments, things of that nature, we can't always pinpoint it. So it's not like the data always reflects what we know because it has to be right there in front of us, kind of like the police department puts to get puts together a criminal investigation. Yeah, like forensic. Right. right. But we have had, um, ironically, our dispatch centers off the 17 and Pinnacle Peak, and we've had fire start uh, by fire fireworks right off the back of the mountain there. Oh, yeah. So, I live right over mm -hmm. by that place. Yep. And I, I hear fireworks over there. Yep. I'm like, man. And, and that's a, another thing, too, is while fireworks are legal in Arizona, they're only legal at certain times of the year in certain areas. Again, state, federal, no fireworks. So, you know, these laws don't exist to spoil people's fun. No. They're to keep us all safe. Right. And I didn't mean to blindside you with that. No, you didn't. I was like, man, I was just thinking about it when we were talking. And it's always been kind of a, a weird thing to me, like such a dry state, a lot of fires. They're like, go ahead and have fireworks, you know. So I figured, man, we got a pro right here. In <laughs> Tiffany's the expert. Yeah. I don't think you can yeah. stump her. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I'm like, I just got to I got to know. Yeah. And, it, you know, we get a lot of feedback. Uh, right around 4th of July. Yeah, I'm sure. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, from concerned residents. And unfortunately, our hands are tied when it comes to fireworks. Um, you know, we can only do so much as far as the state land goes and the federal lands. We have prevention patrol officers out throughout the summer. Once we start to see that uh, increase in our fire activity, our patrol officers get on the road and they start patrolling those areas that we know are prone to wildfire where we have those problems, where people are constantly target shooting in areas they're not supposed to be. And sometimes it's just not their fault they don't realize they're somewhere they shouldn't be. You know, a quick conversation. Hey, hey, this is why you shouldn't be here. Okay, no problem. They pack up and go. Um, but our, our, our patrol officers are out there for a reason to make contact with the public. You know, it's more of an educational awareness type of thing uh, rather than being like, you know, we're going to call the cops on you and cite you. Um, but yeah, people really need to understand that there are different um, laws in different areas when it comes to state versus federal versus tribal. It's the same thing when, whenever we're talking about any of the leave no trace principles to people. It's just they they just don't know. You know, so they have to learn about these these safe practices and the way to use these lands. And then, you know, some people make mistakes along the way and, you know, media gets a hold of it and then it's a horrible thing. But I think every, we're doing the right thing by educating these people and letting them know, hey, this is a threat. This is what you can do to to mitigate situations before they happen. Absolutely. What do you want concerned citizens to do if they're out recreating and they see someone violating, you know, whether they're having a campfire when they're not permitted? What do you want them to do? We just want them to call 911. Um, if you see an abandoned campfire, if you see someone starting a fire or doing something illegal, just call 911. Um, the proper authorities will be dispatched, whether that's routed through our agency, through the Forest Service, through the BLM, um, but the proper authorities will be notified. Uh, we do have a mobile phone application. Um, it's the Department of Forestry and Fire Management. It's on uh, Apple iTunes and then the Google Play Store. And we, you can go on there and you can submit a tip also for us. And 
And we do get a lot of tips off that app for certain areas that we um, have constant issues with Are every fire year. restrictions on that app? Yes. That's a big question. People want yes. to know the fire restrictions every year as they come up. So fire restrictions get updated on that app. Um, and then we also put the definition. So there's a Q&A page on there on the app as well that, you know, what is, because what are stage one? What are stage two? What are closures? People like to know. So you can just click on that. It'll drop down and tell you uh, what is and isn't allowed under stage one versus stage two. Right. And we have a link to that app on our website, but we'll put one in the show notes here too. And so people can figure out, can check it out because it's a, such a helpful resource to have. It's a cool app. Yeah, it is. And you can go on there and you can, again, submit a tip anonymously or not. Um, some people submit forestry questions like I have this tree. Can you help me? And, you know, that's a great resource for these people. And then, of course, the anonymous tips from people we get where there's someone shooting where they shouldn't be or, or whatnot. Um, but then we you can go on there and you can click. And if, if InsaWeb is linked to our, our app, so you can find wildfires near me. So if you're driving around and you pull up the map, it'll show you a list of where the fires are burning um, if they're uploaded to InsaWeb, which is the platform we use to update our, our incidents. And then you click on it and there's more information yep, exactly. about it. Exactly. It'll tell you how many acres, where it's at, you know, how big the fire is, if there's, you know, it's cool. closures or anything like that. So this is perfect. So people listening, you know, download this app now. Don't wait until there's we're in fire season or there's a situation by you. Download it now because then you have the information right at your fingertips. When things when you do have to evacuate, um, you know, that's a that's a chaotic time. You're trying to move quickly and you don't always think about those resources. So it's better to have it and be prepared as opposed to trying to figure it out in the moment. Well, and, to, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say you brought up the perfect point, too, is don't wait. Don't wait until it's too late for anything. You know, don't wait until there's a fire a mile down your your property road to start creating defensible space. Don't wait until you're about to be evacuated to sign up for emergency alerts. Do all of that ahead of time. That's awesome. I mean, all this information, it was so, it was so good. And we got kind of deep into the the Arizona fires and I, I think we still only scratched the surface. <laughs> we did. <laughs> There's so much to talk about and so little time. And it's really important that people just do their part to help us prevent wildfires. Well, where can they get more information about what you're doing and maybe what's coming up? And, uh, you know, we'll put links in the show notes, but, you know, you can tell them right now. Like, yeah, where, you can always go it. to our website, dffm.az.gov. Uh, we push a lot of messaging out on social media. We have a Twitter page, Facebook and Instagram. Um, so they can go there anytime and get any helpful information, links. There's information on FireWise, our at-risk communities, um, and then our AZ RAP, which is our risk assessment platform. People can go on, put in their address, and see what the risk assessment is in their area. So helpful. I know. Really great information. Thank Man. you so much, Tiffany. I think the listeners are going to value this. I know I value it so much. Yeah, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.